0: Well, Tri-Village, good morning again. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, for those of you here or online, if you don't know me, my name is Kyle Reschke. I serve as one of our uh, pastors. Um, specifically, I oversee uh, our, our missions department. So that is global, local, um, and, and just a great team. So I'm here a lot with you. Uh, either to preach the word like I am today, or to be giving uh, updates on what God is up to around the world, uh, introducing you to some missionaries of our church family, um, and really just celebrating what God is doing. And so uh, as, as I come in, we're going to finish this series in Ruth, in, in Ruth chapter 4 uh, today, but I, I want to take a little sidebar. How many of you in this series had read Ruth in its entirety, like we just did? Whoa, half of you. Okay, I did not expect that. That's awesome. Eric, good job. You've probably uh, encouraged that, huh? It is, uh, it's, it's really great to, to read longer passages of Scripture, right? I want us to think as, as we handle our Bibles, it is, it is great to verse by verse or chapter by chapter and, and really get into all the nuance, that's an amazing rhythm of life, but it's also something really remarkable to take in large swaths of scripture like we just did, entire books, because we get to see the bigger story, right? The story of what God is up to generation after generation after generation. So. Our church has a Bible reading plan. I know you can get that online. I'm just going to encourage you. I know the holidays, and for me, uh, I've got all my papers out. I'm starting to set some goals for the new year. Maybe contemplate what large swaths of scripture you may want to read in the new year. Um, I just think back to really rich times, both of spending six months a year in one book of the Bible. But I'm recalling when I served on the mission field, I did a, a read the Bible in 90 days plan. And so it took about 75 minutes to 90 minutes a day. And it was actually one of the busiest times of my life. And so what I found in that was, uh, instead of saying, how can this time in God's word fit into my day? Uh, Actually having that goal of reading the whole Bible in 90 days was like, how can my day fit into the reading of God's word? And the really cool thing is that That alarm had to get earlier and earlier and earlier for that to be the first part of the day. But cover to cover in 90 days. And man, I just look back on that time as it didn't seem tiring or fatiguing. It was like, no, life took on a new shape around hearing from God through his word. So, sidebar over. Just wanted to encourage you all in that. I was thinking that as we read in uh, the entirety of Ruth this morning so um i'm gonna wrap- i'm wrapping up our series today. What you just heard, Ruth is quite a story, right? Eric described this what a novella <laughs> as a novella last week um here in the midwest uh where I am from, that is called a soap opera um a lot of drama the uh, our passage last week, and where Pastor Eric left off, it was, it was like um, leaving you on, on tenterhooks, right? It was this, Boaz says, Boaz and, and, and Ruth have this middle-of-the-night moment of, uh, is, are all of Ruth's desires going to come true? She proposed to Boaz that he be the guardian-redeemer of her family. Would Boaz's come true also in that he would lo- he sees this, this treasure of a woman, high character, noble character, faithfulness, loyalty. What's going to happen? Because that middle of the night moment ends and Boaz says, actually, it's not entirely up to me. There is actually one person in line before me, and because he is a man of upstanding character, he's saying, uh, we need to follow God's system here that he's laid out before our people. This system means that there is somebody who actually may get to be the guardian redeemer, and it's not Boaz. So what's going to happen? We find out in chapter 4. Eric's theme was a love that redeems Right, Naomi and Ruth are destitute. We see uh, this word hesed, which is this encompassing word of loyalty, devotion, compassion, kindness. Eric talked about the role of guardian redeemer. He talked about the guardian redeemer, that love, that redeeming love actually being a means to an end. The means to the end of relationship and very poetically, Eric, I'm going to quote you on this. As we say, the first time I do it, uh, it's, I'll quote you. The second time I do it, I'll say, hey, somebody said. And the third time, we say, you know, I've always said. But very poetically, Pastor Eric said, um, this redeeming love, w- uh, it, you are bought back in order to be brought back to relationship, right? Bought back to be brought back back. So love would bring the destitute, the lonely, the disconnected, the in need, that person, that family, that line would be brought back into relationship with the community. And as we're going to find today, that same type of redeeming love with the Lord. And then Pastor Eric zoomed out showing us how this story, uh, Big as it is, is actually part of a much larger story. It's a sign, and actually Boaz, is guardian redeemer, and Ruth, and Naomi, and their faithfulness, and their virtue, and character are all these Christ figures. As we find throughout the Scripture that Jesus Christ would pay the price for our sins so that we may be reconciled to God. We'll hit on that again today. But it's the same concept, brought back or bought back in order to be brought back to relationship. So we're turning uh, those who have been brought back to God, we see that those who have been brought back to God actually themselves become guardian redeemers, living on God's mission to bring the world back, brought back into relationship with him. Okay? Fair summary? Eric, can I move on to our passage today? Okay. So, uh, you can uh, turn in, in the Word. I'll also have them up on the screens. I'm going to stick in, in Ruth chapter 4 for the bulk, bulk of today. So... It's the morning, it's the next day, what's going to happen? Boaz says, I will approach the guardian redeemer and see if he will redeem you. But if he will not, I will. So that's where our drama picks up. And I have three points where we're going to address this passage, kind of the lenses through uh, through which we're going to do this today. So first, and this has been a theme all the way through, we've seen it both in uh, Naomi We've seen it in Ruth. We're seeing it really today in Boaz that redeeming love pursues. So that pursuit, intentional, wise, prudent, but redeeming love pursues. Second, redeeming love celebrates. We're going to see what's worth celebrating here today. And three, redeeming love endures. You with me on those three? All right. We are in Ruth chapter 4. So, While this book may only hint at romance, what is clear this middle of the night, because we see the language, Ruth and Boaz are people of high integrity and character. So all the way through, there is this theme of very intentional pursuit, wise pursuit, planning, and so first, love pursues. For now, Naomi's and Ruth's portions are done. They've talked Ruth went, she did, she she made this proposal to Boaz in the middle of the night, uh, proposing that he would be the guardian redeemer of the family. Now, it's Boaz's turn. So we're in Ruth 4, uh, verse 1. So, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, And sit down. So he went over and sat down. Something you need to see here in this verse this, my friend, this was really interesting to me in commentators, maybe a little bit pejorative. There's actually, I'm not going to do a ton in, in language today, like Eric landed last week on Hesed and the meaning of that. This, my friend, the literal translation is kind of like a Mr. No Name or Mr. So and so. Basically, we're encountering in Scripture that this character isn't of much significance beyond what happens now. His name will not live on. It's not specific. We don't know is it pejorative or not. Um, a lot of commentators seem to think so. So Boaz says, uh, Mr. So-and-so, come over here and sit down. That's, that's how we're reading this. So the narrator of Ruth Uh, deliberately keeps this other kinsman pretty nameless and pretty faceless. I think later on what we find is is the reason why. So that's where we are. Boaz is at the gate and he has him sit down. Then we're in verse two. And I'm gonna read verse two through six. Then Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. This kinsman, Mr. So-and-so, I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So love pursues, redeeming love pursues. Boaz is actually being really wise here. He's also taking steps to reveal the character or the calculation of this kinsman, this guardian redeemer. There are two kinds of math going on, okay? There is economic math, which is what we're going to find that this kinsman does, and then there is God's kingdom math. Which is what Boaz is doing. And Boaz, because he takes it in these sections, or in, in these uh, steps, reveals, I think I find this the heart of this other kinsman redeemer. So Boaz does it so carefully. Deal number one, he says, "You are the, this kinsman, this guardian redeemer." Naomi. Is selling the land. You have the right to take it. So, deal number one this guardian redeemer says, really simply, I will redeem it. Why? Because in this case, it actually financially benefits him significantly. In this case, if it's just Naomi, he gets the land. He needs to take care of a widow for a few years. But when she passes, the land is his. So it's of economic benefit. He's doing the math. Yeah, I'll take the land. I'll take that as guardian redeemer. But Boaz knows. Boaz then says, oh, by the way, it's not just Naomi. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. And then the guardian redeemer, this potential kinsman, says, then my answer is no. I can't do it, for it will endanger my estate. Or, I can't do it because this is actually, in the long run, likely going to cost me. Why? Because it comes with marriage now to Ruth, So it's not just taking care of Naomi for a few years and then he's got the extra land. It's taking on a wife. If they have children, uh, especially a son, that land would pass to the son and so would not be of economic benefit to the guardian redeemer. You following me through this? Two different kinds of math. Option number one, I'm gonna benefit financially. I'll do it. Option number two, this is actually likely going to cost me in the long run. No, I won't do it. Because he did that uh, not non-kingdom math, non-God's justice for uh, the, the downtrodden or the vulnerable math, I think this is one of the primary reasons that we read that his name is essentially Mr. So-and-so, my friend. That's why he's not remembered, but Boaz is. So the calculation that's going on here now allows Boaz to be the guardian redeemer. The one who did the math and was out for his personal benefit has a name lost in history. The other, Boaz, is a legacy. Again, why? Boaz did the math of God's kingdom. Boaz did the math that said, any advantage that has come to me via whatever exists will be for the advantage of others. And it's not just now after the middle of the night rendezvous with Ruth, right? We read in chapter 2 that he was so generous, he loaded her, the destitute, this is before he knew Ruth, was of as high character before he had observed what he had observed, and it was because she was in need. And he poured out generosity, used every advantage that he had been given to seek her advantage. And he's doing so again here. Boaz knew this kingdom math, but then he'd also come to observe that Ruth was a treasure in God's kingdom. He exalts her in chapter 3, talks about her Her hesed. She shows the same kindness and faithfulness, loyalty, compassion. And what is a man to do when he finds a treasure? I'm going to quote Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field. Boaz was willing to risk or to give all that he had to be the guardian redeemer, not just of Ruth, but of this family. And we're going to read later today of all the generations of this family. So then Boaz publicly does so. Um, That's the last we hear of Mr. So-and-so, the other kinsman, Boaz announces to the elders, we now know there's a lot more people there at the gate, we read in verse 9, and and he officially does this. So redeeming love pursues. That's our first. Second, redeeming love celebrates. So now there's the elders at the gate, Mr. So-and-so probably has left, we don't hear from him again. And then there's the whole town, because Boaz had announced to all the people, this is what he's doing, And in verse 11, we find that because this redeeming love, because guardian redeemer has stepped in, this family who is experiencing disadvantage is now experiencing advantage. The town has a natural response, and that is to celebrate. Ruth 4, verses 11 and 12. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses, and they offer this blessing. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So the town is gathered. Notice how the crowd has grown. First, it was just Boaz and the other kinsmen, the, the Mr. So-and-so. Then there were 10 elders. Now there's so much of the town at the gate. And they are declaring this blessing. May Ruth be like Rachel and Leah. Why? Rachel and Leah built up the nation of Israel. Built up it, through uh, the, the growth of a family. And they say, may, may your family be like that of Uh, Perez. We'll encounter that more in just a minute. But may may your family grow. May your name be known for what you have done. May you be famous. There's a celebration of redeeming love here. Saying, Boaz, this is going to live on. This is a major thing. You have done the type of math that God honors, and that is what the town is praying over him. Perez became head of the leading family of Judah and therefore is Boaz's ancestor. So, so many who are in the town is a result of that blessing that this family would be like the family of Perez. So, God is working through these incredible women through his purposes also. They're saying, may God work mightily through this woman, Ruth. This is a party. They're celebrating and calling for more celebration. When something that was wrong is made right, it's a cause for celebration. When those who needed to be bought back in order to be brought back are brought back, it's a party, it's a celebration. And so we have to ask the question then, does this actually happen? Do the blessings come true? Does the family grow? And we read that the answer is yes, absolutely. These these hopes of the town, uh, the blessing on Boaz and Ruth, grow the family. Follow with me in, in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And they named him Obed. He was father of Jesse, the father of David. Redeeming love pursues, celebrates. The celebration here now is of Naomi. Naomi is celebrated. There's, she has experienced and, and, and the town around her sees and saying, the hesed of God, the loyalty, the faithfulness of God has been shown to you, Naomi. Because now you are brought into this family. Boaz will be caring for you. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And they're, they're, they're celebrating Ruth again. They're saying Ruth is better to you than seven sons. Ruth's love, her faithfulness, loyalty, kindness... Hesed, which we've talked about for several weeks now, Ruth is better than seven sons. This is a Hebrew statement of incredible beauty, of incredible worth. Seven sons, seven in, in, in biblical terms, represents perfect, complete, whole. And actually, this is about, if not the highest praise that anyone receives in the Hebrew Scriptures. Not just better than a son, like a Boaz who can care for you in old age, but seven sons. This is the highest praise, or among the the top couple of highest praises of anyone in the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's praising Ruth. Ruth. So these events, church, and I'm going to get to our final point here. These events, amazing in themselves, such a celebration to see Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. The story doesn't end here. It's not just a, they lived happily ever after. It actually seems that they did. Because the family line goes on. But these events have eternal significance. That hope that it would live on for generations, may she be like Rachel and Leah and like they build up the family of Israel, eternal significance for generations. So redeeming love pursues, redeeming love celebrates, and third, redeeming love endures. Because this this genealogy at the end of 16, uh, which is just a couple of generations, that um, Ruth and Boaz... Have a son. She conceived. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. And so Ruth actually becomes the grandmother of King David. So as we close out the book of Ruth, what we found is at the beginning there were two struggling widows. A simple story takes on entirely new dimension. From these two women... The, David, the greatest king of Israel, would be able to trace his lineage back to Ruth and to Boaz. It's a sign of God's divine story. But God wasn't done. So many generations later, there were 14 generations, we read in Matthew 1, from David to the exile and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So we're about 31 generations away. The family that illustrated Hesed was the source for fullness now. This story of redemption and for love and faithfulness to be known. 31, 32 generations later. This is so cool. If you have your Bible with me, I'll also put it on the screen. I want you to turn to chapter 1, verse 1, page 1 of the new Testament. All those generations later, and bursting onto the scene, we have the introduction of the center of the whole story. And Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, writes that this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you catch that? Who did we just read was in the line of Ruth, what just came from this story? Ruth became the grandmother of David. Who was of the line of David hundreds and hundreds of years later? Jesus Christ, the Messiah. How about an amen for that? God is working and orchestrating this throughout the whole story. Jesus is identified from the line of David, who we know is from the line of Ruth. And Jesus comes, this story that is redeeming love, that is redemption. Those who have the advantage like Boaz would pour themselves out, would do that kingdom of God math to seek the flourishing, to seek the advantage and the healing, and would buy back someone in order that they could be brought back into relationship this same family line we read in Matthew 1 that Jesus will save people from their sins we read in Matthew eleven nineteen that he was a friend to tax collectors and sinners and so both Boaz and Ruth and I would argue Naomi are these Christ figures throughout the book of Ruth we don't just want to stop at Boaz because he was guardian redeemer Ruth and Naomi were signs of God's hesed, of loyalty, faithfulness, high virtue, and character. So redeeming love pursues when 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 redeeming love sees something that isn't right or separate that that hasn't met uh, what God desires for His people for His kingdom. Redeeming love will will endeavor to make it right. So we find that that. Boaz, here as guardian redeemer, points to Jesus. How? Because Jesus, in response to a world in sin, in response to a world that needed to be bought back in order to be brought back to God, what is the response of God? The response of God is not to keep his distance. In Matthew 1.1, Jesus enters the scene. Actually, God, like Boaz, enters in. Redeeming love pursues. Bought back in order to be brought back into relationship. And I want to close us with a discussion of... uh, Eric went into Galatians last week. My similar go-to in this is 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. So what does the Son of God do? This Jesus who comes and enters into the need of the world. Enters in and offers a new kingdom math. We start in verse 16, Second Corinthians 5. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, pause here for a second. Do you see that in Christ those who were in need of a guardian redeemer, those who were in the flesh, any who had fallen short of the perfection and of the glory of God, needed a guardian redeemer. That's you. That's me. That's the entire world. And Jesus in Christ, all this is from God who reconciled us, reconciled, brought back, saying Jesus Christ in his work and his death and his resurrection and what he did on the cross bought us back so that we would be brought back to right relationship with God. Amen? So those who were in need of redemption bought back by Christ to be brought back into relationship with God. And there's more. Church, I don't want us to miss because there can be this yay and an amen. I have been bought a costly, just like Boaz saw the treasure in Ruth, God saw the beauty and treasure in his creation and wanted to bring it back to him. And we can say amen to that, but the story's not over. Because that has profound significance for each of us. Because 2 Corinthians 5 continues. I'm going to read 18 again, but I'm going to continue through 21. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Don't miss this. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin bought bought, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. To be brought God reconciles. He is the guardian redeemer, and he has a bigger story that actually turns all of those he has redeemed into guardian redeemers themselves. His grace, his love, his faithfulness would come to his people to move through his people to the world. Eric, I stole your quote. You can steal that one from me for future weeks. To his people, to move through his people to the world. We start the story of Ruth, and there's message of loss, of hardship, of hunger, of famine. Of Boaz, an aging farmer but upstanding citizen. Of Ruth and Naomi, high character and beautiful uh, integrity, faithful women And the book closes with a marriage, a celebration, the line of Israel's future king, which is the line of the world's future king and savior. So church, those of you online, those of you here today, here here is my question and my close for you. Are you far from him? Are you in need of him? Do you know your guardian redeemer. If you don't, you have been invited today and you will continue to be into that relationship. You have been bought back so that you can be brought back into the family of God. And if you are here today who say, yes, I have received that, I do know that, then God sends you as guardian redeemers into the world with his message, doing his kingdom math. Not to be Mr. So-and-so who would see need around you, who would see injustice, because we know how the Bible remembers Mr. So-and-so if you have been bought back and brought back into the family of God you are part of the redeeming love that endures you are actually part of that story and God is sending you to the world with his redeeming love so redeeming love endures and church would the world know it through who his people we read in Second Corinthians, as though God were making his appeal through us. So Tri-Village, that's where I want to close today, is sending you out into the world. John 20, 21, this is before Jesus ascends into heaven, and he breathes the peace of the Holy Spirit on his disciples, and he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So here's what I believe, and we've found it in this passage. God sent his best when he sent Jesus. And Jesus is declaring that he is sending his best when he sends his people to the world. Amen? That's you. That's us. The church of Jesus Christ in the world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the story of Ruth, that there we find your faithfulness, your love, your redemption. And Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that the story didn't end there, that we don't just read it and say, that was an amazing group of people at a point in time. Lord, your redeeming love endures. It endured through the arrival of your son, Jesus, which is what we anticipate here at Advent as we, as we come towards the Christmas season, that Jesus bursts onto the scene as Messiah. So many generations later, it is your hand of faithfulness. It is your compassion and love and mercy, Father, that has redeemed us. So Lord, as we go out into the world, send us, Lord, as your ambassadors, those who have been bought back, and brought back into your family. Amen.